0: Well, this morning, of course, is uh, the closest Sunday to Independence Day, and therefore we tend to, in the church, celebrate uh, Independence Day on this particular Sunday. It's interesting that our independence 247 years ago is celebrated Not just in this country, but around the world, because this country has been a beacon of light and hope to the world for, well, over 200 years. I'd like to think that that would continue. I'm not so sure that it will. In that light, I want to approach this Independence Day celebration from a perspective of freedom, not just in this country, but freedom globally from sin. And to do that, I want to start in our epistle, which is Romans 6, beginning at verse 12. Hear what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Therefore, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your body's parts as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Far from it. Do you not know that the one to whom you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of that same one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And after being freed from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented the parts of your body as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your body's parts as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For you, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in relation to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, every year around Independence Day, our thoughts turn to freedom. The July 4th celebration kicks into gear. I know it kicked into gear in our neighborhood last night. The dogs were not very happy about it. But it kicks into gear and we have our barbecues blazing and we have our fish frying and we have our fireworks exploding into the night sky because we love to celebrate freedom in America, don't we? We celebrate our freedom and most of us appreciate the fact that our freedom was won at a high price. And it's maintained and it's perpetuated with the blood and the sacrifice of many patriotic and selfless individuals who have served and continue to serve this country faithfully. But I want to remind you here this morning that the patriotic celebration of freedom that we express each and every Independence Day is really just the byproduct of a God-given freedom that was won for you and for me, not just 247 years ago with the birth of this nation, but rather more than 2,000 years ago with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, into which... Humankind was gifted new birth into eternal freedom in Christ. And so Paul is telling us here in Romans 6, he's telling us as believers in Jesus that we must not continue to live as slaves to sin, but rather we must live in the freedom of God. See, too often we misunderstand how God intends for us to use the freedom that he's given us through Jesus. Paul writing to the church in Galatia in chapter five of Galatians says for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When I read that, I have to ask myself some questions. Do I use my freedom for self-indulgence? Does my self-indulgence sometimes come across as unloving on occasion? I think it does. And I also think I'm not alone. See, freedom comes with responsibility. The free will that God gave you and me comes with the ability to make choices. And the question is, do we make choices out of love of self? Or do we make choices out of love for our neighbors? I think by and large, I think it's safe to say that those who make unloving choices have a warped sense of freedom. I know you've heard me say it before. I think it's worth repeating. There are many people who erroneously think that freedom is autonomy which is the ability to do whatever you choose without fear of judgment from a higher authority. A lot of people confuse the two. Freedom is not autonomy. See, the the truth is that nothing in God's creation has autonomy. We live by the limits that God places on us. Our freedom is limited by God's freedom, and only God has absolute freedom. Our our society today, our culture uh, leans towards secular humanism, human autonomy. We we like to cry about things, uh, lofty words that we like to spout. We say things like equal rights. We say tolerance. We say diversity, and it sounds really good. We like to cry about those things, and if we don't like the restrictions... Placed on us by Scripture, we simply ignore Scripture in the name of all those lofty words that we cry about. Our our watchword has become fairness when it should be righteousness. We have replaced real God given liberty with the slavery of universalism where anything and everything goes in our culture, where even evil is called good and acceptable. We've mistaken tolerance for love when the lack of accountability that's inherent in this thing called tolerance is the most unloving thing that we could possibly do to one another. If, if we turned a blind eye to unrighteousness so that we don't offend the offender, and in so doing, we clear the pathway to hell because then there's absolutely no accountability left for the, the unrighteous. See, here's the truth about liberty. Are you ready? When we accept that our liberty is God-given and therefore under His authority, when we submit to His authority that's given to us in His Word, the Bible, when we cease rebellious efforts to be autonomous and make our own rules, then and only then do we have freedom. What Paul is Saying to us in Romans 6 is that you must not give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your life. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly, full time into God's way of doing things. Paul reminds us, you've been raised from the dead. Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. Sin can't tell you how to live any longer. You're not living under the old tyranny of sin any longer. You're living in the freedom of God now. Don't run sin's errands. Nobody wants to be anybody's errand boy, especially the devil. So what is true freedom then? Listen to what Paul says. Since we're out from under the old tyranny of sin, does that mean that we can live any old way that we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to our minds? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. You ever think about that? There's some things that you can do using your God-given free will that will eventually destroy your ability to have free will. Offer yourselves to sin, Paul says, for instance, and it's your last free act. Offer yourself to the ways of God and the freedom never ends. All your lives, you let sin tell you what to do, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. Paul says, I'm I'm using this language about freedom because it's easy to picture. He says, you can readily recall how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. Ask anyone who's behind bars right now that did just exactly what they wanted to do, how that's working out for them. How much different is it as you live in God's freedom, watching your lives be healed and become more expansive and more holy, more sanctified. Isn't that freedom? As long as you did what you felt like doing, as long as you felt like ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with what right thinking was or right living was or right anything for that matter. But that's not a free life, is it? What do you get out of a sin life? Paul says it's nothing that you can be proud of. Where did it get you? It got you a dead end. But now that you found that you don't have to listen to sin, tell you what to do, and now that you've discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, What a surprise. You get a whole healed, put together life. Not later, but right now. And there's more and more life coming. You get abundant life. I mean, once you realize that there is freedom with God, you realize that when you work hard for sin your whole life, your pension is death. But God's gift is real, eternal, abundant life delivered by Jesus, blessed by God, led by the Holy Spirit. You know, I I mentioned the culture and how I, I have little faith. Not in God. I have tremendous faith in God. I have absolutely no faith in people. Since about 2008, my perception of this nation has been of a nation under a black cloud. I'm just being transparent here. When I was a younger man serving in the Marine Corps, I held this country in such High esteem because I saw it as a nation worthy of service, a nation worthy of defending. I held young Marines in my arm as they bled out on the desert sand. And I thought even the high price that we're paying right now for freedom is worth it. It's worthy of defending. July 4th celebrations were causes for joy. With all that star-spangled skyrocket brilliance that we could muster. But these days I don't have any confidence at all in those people who are elected to lead us. I don't trust them to do what's right. I don't trust my government. I don't trust the so-called Department of Justice. I don't trust the IRS. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the CIA or Homeland Security or even the top brass In our joint chiefs, I have no faith whatsoever in the abilities of human institutions to do what is righteous and within the will of God. None whatsoever. I have come to realize that faith in people is misplaced faith. You see, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, that's where faith belongs. No one else is worthy of such praise. It doesn't matter whether there's a an or after their name. I will not put my faith in them. No one else is worthy of praise. When you celebrate your freedom this week. Remember to take time to acknowledge the source of that Freedom. Remember to take time to thank God for the gift of His one and only Son who died on the cross for your eternal freedom. If you're going to be enslaved to anything, be a slave to Christ. Wherein rests eternal life in the freedom of God. Because your life, my life, your freedom was purchased With the blood of your Savior. And he is victorious in his battle over the tyranny of sin. And that's why we sing, mine eyes have seen the glory. Of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. And his truth is marching on. I love that song, Gene. He sounded forth the trumpet. That shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on glory, glory, hallelujah. Say it with me, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Do you see where your faith resides? It's not in Washington. not in the White House. It's not in the Capitol building. It's not in Austin. Your faith resides in the one true sovereign God. His victory over sin and death is your victory. His resurrection is your resurrection. And to that you can say, glory, glory, hallelujah. Join me this July 4th in celebrating your freedom. Just remember where it came from. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's never happened. Thank you. Go ahead and sing our final hymn this afternoon.